Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. Good morning, it's Ryan Amart with you. On today's Morning Shot, we'll be diving into the world of nuclear power, a controversial energy source that energy experts are paying quite keen attention to at the Singapore International Energy Week. That's right. Nuclear power generation produces almost no greenhouse emissions, but Singapore is still undecided on tapping on it amid rising regional interests on this energy source. Yes, and that's due to a couple of things like radiation risks, geopolitical concerns and public fear of the fallout caused by nuclear accidents. Now, even though there's no commitment yet, authorities here are studying the suitability of advanced atomic power hardware, such as small reactors, that have been touted as safer, cheaper and faster to build. Well, for more insights, we're joined by Jan Holm. He's the Executive Vice President at Seaborg Technologies. Jan, good morning. Welcome to the show. Looking forward to the conversation. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts as well, Jan. Let's first touch on the environmental rationale behind tapping on nuclear power as compared to other sources like wind and solar. What's the carbon footprint like? Yeah, so, so on the carbon footprint, so nuclear is one of the lowest carbon energy sources available. Uh, unlike fossil fuels, it doesn't emit any greenhouse gases. And if you compare it over life cycle, so, so with the building of the plants, etc., all the materials going in, steel, concrete, etc., it's comparable to, to wind and solar, but it's much, much lower than coal and gas. Yeah, it does sound like it's cleaner in that sense. Uh, how about safety? Because that always comes to mind when we talk about nuclear yes. power. Walk us through the potential risks that we should be thinking about before anyone commits to it. Yeah, so on the technology side, uh, maybe let me put it in Singapore context. We looked at uh, nuclear back in 2010, and at that time, the conclusion was uh, the technology wasn't ready for Singapore yet. So, of course, things have happened over time, technologies evolved. And, and what you might mainly had at that time, it was something called a pressurized water reactor, where you use water as coolant, and you put it under pressure. So, if for whatever reason, if it bursts, out, uh, you will have a nuclear cloud. It can pollute large areas of, of a landmass, and, and that was not an acceptable risk to, to Singapore then, and that was of, uh, end today. And it was, um, therefore, you couldn't really impl- implement it. Now, there's coming uh, a, a number of new technologies or reintroducing them, like a molten salt reactor. So instead of water, you use a fluoride salt. It's a rock below 490 degrees, but it becomes fluent above that and has the same viscosity as water. So we can use that instead. Now, first of all, it's operated under no pressure. So even if you have a crack in your reactor, it won't burst out. Secondly, because it, it turns solid uh, when the start cools down, we can see in the, our labs that within 60 seconds, it turns back into a rock. It will never go into the air. This means that there's a nat- natural containment. So whereas a conventional old technology could pollute entire Singapore, yes, if anything comes out, it will be bad, but it will affect an area around 100 meters around your reactor. So you do not put the entire Singapore population on the risk. So that's a main feature on the safety side. All right. This uh, fluoride salt technology is a novel concept indeed. Can you expand a little bit more on the potential behind this innovation and you know, some real-world examples of applications it can be used for? Yeah. So a few things. One thing here in Singapore, we have land scarcity. 
energy. So, so and I mean, land footprint is 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 a, a major factor. So, so because this is so energy dense, I can power all of Singapore within an area of 2.2 square kilometers, and I have enough electricity to power Singapore 24/7. Now, we need three things, and and and, uh, and Singapore knows that very well. We need water. We are very concerned about water security. We need, of course, energy. Energy security is a big thing, and I think we learned on the COVID that food security is can also be an issue, and that's why we have the 2030 plan. Now, the power and the steam that you get out from a nuclear power plant can be used for desalination, i.e. you get fresh water. Of course, you get uh, electricity by steam turbine, but you can also use that to produce uh, e-fuels like methanol, ammonia, hydrogen, which can be used in your transportation, you know, planes, etc. So, so you get the energy side of it. And the third thing, you main thing you can get out of it is actually when you produce hydrogen, you can combine it with nitrogen, then you get ammonia, so fertilizer. And with the new concepts coming up in vertical farming, etc., these are, are all key drivers in main Singapore. Energy security, food security, and, and water security. Main factors uh, for a good society. Yeah, Jan, with um, nuclear technologies where it is right now, how realistic is it for small countries like Singapore to leverage it where you've got this as an option amongst other options as well? What does it take for us to get that? Yeah, I think we are, and Singapore is, is really, really good uh, place for this. We have um, a great, uh, well-educated education, great universities, etc. But but it, it is, of course, something which takes some time to prepare. You need to educate uh, nuclear engineers, uh, nuclear operators, and you would also want them to have some experience. And in order to make young people take up this education, there has to be kind of a credible pathway for them, and so you can see they can get jobs in Singapore behind, behind, uh, afterwards. So, so it's important that we start to build and nurture that nuclear ecosystem. And that's one of the things that I've been doing here in Seaborg and why I'm based in Singapore. All right, Jan, the last probably remaining elephant in the room, if we can call it, surrounding nuclear and its evolving technologies is a discussion around its costs. Can you help us rationalize the economic value of transitioning to nuclear power what sort of proportion of usage are we talking about here that's actually practical? Yeah, so, so first of all, nuclear has one really beautiful characteristic, which is its baseload. You produce stable energy 24-7, really high capacity factor, no load downtime. That actually helps stabilize your grid, which means you can put more solar and wind in. So it complements the other types of energy very, very well. Uh, on the cost side, uh, it's it's down uh, comparable to solar, which is today the lowest cost uh, renewable energy form. So Singapore has set uh, 10% in the energy system in the 2050 um, scenario. I think we can go quite a lot higher than that. And actually, what I think is the biggest opportunity for Singapore because of its uh, high energy density and low land requirement, it could actually turn us into a net exporter of energy instead of being an importer. All right. In cycling times ahead for the energy space, we've been chairing Jan Holm. He's the Executive Vice President at Seabock Technologies, talking about the possibility and potential of Singapore going into nuclear power options. Jan, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you. Love to be here. That was really a pleasure. Stay Money yeah. FM 89.3. 
To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.